says. Every hand ought to be clapping. Every voice ought to be lifted to him. Come on, there's people dodging bombs tonight in other parts of the world. There's places where they can't worship him like this. You want to praise him. We're waiting for them tonight. You want to let the power that's in you be released into the atmosphere by your praise. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody just take a moment in here and give him your biggest praise. Give him your most powerful praise. Give him your loudest shout. The Lord is in this place tonight. Tonight, the healers in the house. That's it. Come on, yeah, somebody. 
working a miracle in this place right now. My God, I feel a book of Acts happening in this place. I feel a Holy Ghost revival in this place. I feel His power moving in this place right now. There's nobody like our God. There's no name like His. There's no name that's higher right now, right now, right now, right now. Yeah, the devil's got to get out of your marriage. The devil's got to get out of your money. He's got to let it go. Worship him for a you to hear the sound of praise I want you to hear the sound of the voices of the people of God lifting up glory to God because that drug habit almost had you that overdose almost took you out of here that broken marriage almost sent you to hell but look where you are right now oh that nicotine almost took you out but God delivered you and God set you free do you hear that sound? There's no sound like that sound. And then when you bring in the stringed instruments and the organs, and then bring you bring in the loud cymbals and the high-sounding cymbals, then when you bring in the dance, and then when you let everything that had breath Somebody say mercy. That's the kind of move right there. That's all you can say is just mercy. God, have mercy. This morning I preached for one of our missionaries up near Fort Wayne. Brother Sister McFarland. They kind of got things going in about mid-21. They've been on NAM status for just a few months, just a brand new church. We brought them up. We began to pray for their city, and I thought we were done, and I, I just said, does anybody need a miracle? This lady walks up, and I said, I said, what, what do you want the Lord to do for you right now? She said, I've got arthritis. I just, I can't take it. I said, well, I'm going to tell you what it's about to feel like. It's about to feel just like you've never had arthritis. He said, matter of fact, matter of fact, you're going to think it's, it's going to be so authentic, you're going to just think you imagine the whole thing. She said, it's been years. I said, I don't care. It's going to be so easy for the Lord. It just, and I started moving toward her and she started falling back and the power of God before I could ever even get to her. They caught her. She come up to me after church and she said, I want to shake your hand. 
I said, well, praise God, I'm honored to meet you. And she squeezed my hand. She said, preacher, I haven't done that in so many years. I can't remember when's the last time I did that. She said, when you started talking to me, I felt the heat moving through my hands. And I felt my joints opening up. She said, you, I couldn't even let you get to me. And the power of God was up. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. Somebody ought to be healed of arthritis right now. You ought to just receive it right now. Just tell the devil, I don't accept it. Oh, God. One more time, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Jesus. Amen. I wouldn't be trying to preach right now, but I, I do feel like yesterday... Before I left to head to Huntington, I feel like the Lord just so quickly dropped this word in my spirit. And I want to share a little bit of it with you tonight. I believe the Lord wants to speak to some people directly in this sanctuary tonight. I, I believe that he has a prophetic word for some people in this place. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. If you don't believe it, it won't happen, but I believe it. Amen. If you're a guest here tonight, we greet you in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for being here. We love you. We want you to come be part of the family. There's room for you here. There's room for you. Amen. Such a wonderful host of people that have been coming just the last several weeks, and they just come back again and again and again and again, and they're just part of us, very quickly integrating into the body of Christ. I'm excited about what the Lord is, is doing. We welcome you here. This is your church. Amen. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes. And Judas, the brother of James. We know those names. Those are the remaining 11 of 12 disciples that became 12 apostles that Jesus called to be the foundation along with the prophets of the Old Testament of the New Testament church, him being the chief cornerstone. We know those names. But in verse 21, the Bible said, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. They accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us. Must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias, two of them. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of them the two, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place and they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles I want to talk to you for a little bit here tonight from the subject out of obscurity amen I believe the Lord wants to help help us understand now I If I'm going to be in the kingdom, I, I, don't, I don't want to be in the stands watching what's happening down on the field. I don't, I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to, I don't want to buy the ticket. I, I want to be involved in what the Lord is doing. Now, if you're a spectator, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of, out of this tonight. But if, you're, if you haven't given up, on ministry and involvement and leadership and being used of God in his kingdom this word is for you tonight 
I believe the Lord is raising up a mighty force. I, I stand before world changers here in this place tonight. People that will change the world in your immediate surroundings and it will ripple effect all over the world. Some of you will go across the world. Some of you will go across the street. But the Lord has a desire to use all of us. And at some point in time, there's going to be some folks in this place who nobody has ever heard your name. But at an appointed time, they appointed them. At an appointed time, God is going to bring you out of obscurity to use you to do exploits for his kingdom. How many of you believe that here tonight? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. and Anoint me tonight. Anoint our ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some of the characters that, that we already know in Scripture, they are familiar. And I love talking about them. I mean, they're, they're so familiar. They're so, they become common households names. Even, even to the point where a small child has heard of Noah. Some of these characters in the Bible, we, we see them really as superstars. And they were, they were anointed and they were called to do great and powerful things for the kingdom of God in their, in their season. But really, their stories are just like many of our stories. They, most of them were common people. And we, we don't have a lot of the details of their lives before the call of God and before God pushing them to the forefront to accomplish amazing things for him. But when you, when you think about Noah, and, and I know that Noah has been preached 48 ways from Sunday, and I, I get that, so... I'm probably not going to give you any, any just life-changing revelation from his life tonight. But if you could just put yourself in his place just for a little bit. And think, think about not, not for a decade or even 20 years or even 40 years. Even a successful ministry in today's world would be considered 40 or 50 years. But this was over 100 years that he worked on one project. We, we, don't, we don't have any kind of evidence of Noah of, of what he was or who he was or what his upbringing was like and, and, and really, you know, who, who thought what of him or whatever until all of a sudden the call of God comes on him and, he's, and he starts building this monstrosity of a project. And we can imagine, I mean, we've preached about it many times before, we can imagine the, the mocking that had to go on <laughs> I mean, you know, the guy had to be, they had to be ready to commit him to an insane, insane asylum. Like, who does that? No, nobody's done that. And it doesn't become valuable until there's a flood. And because there was no flood, they saw no value in Noah's ministry. Ministry is always about purpose. It's, it's always about purpose. Ministry doesn't exist just for any reason. There's no such thing as ambiguous ministry. I'm just going to minister and I'm just going to flail about. And I'm just going to throw stuff out there. You know, it's, it's what we see on Facebook, you know, with all that stuff, with people being religious or whatever. But, but when God chooses a ministry, and I'm not saying there's no valid ministries on Facebook, but there's a lot of, you know, whatever. Little, I don't know. We've been in the rules a little bit. But, but Noah... Noah had to have been seen as just a crazed maniac. He's just a nutball. He just won't stop. It's day in and day out. Like, Noah, are you even taking care of your family? <laughs> like, what's going on with your kids? And why, why, don't you think this is an embarrassment, aren't you? Is your family embarrassed of you? What, what, what in the world are you doing? Have you, ever, have you ever felt like that in ministry? Like you just got your nose down and you're just working and you're just doing. Just, you heard something from heaven that nobody else heard. And so you've got a clear focus. Boy, I feel my help already right now. And you just, you just feel, 
you just feel, I just can't, I can't stop. I'm obsessed with it. I've got, when I get up in the morning, this is on my mind. When I, when I go to bed at night, this is on my mind. And I'm just working, I'm just working. And sometimes people just have their head cocked a little bit like, what? Why are you investing all of this stuff in something that will probably never pay off? And when you get done, the only thing you're going to do is have this big something that nobody is ever going to utilize. But no one knew something that nobody else knew because he had heard from God. And that's the first thing that I want to say to somebody here tonight is trust what you heard from the Lord. Trust what you heard from the Lord and don't you dare let anybody talk you down from your art building I, I know can I just preach here for just a moment can I, I just know that it just feels silly to a lot of people that you know when, when, some, when God begins to do something that he's never done before he doesn't look for a committee he looks for a man or an individual he looks for a Ruth or an Esther when he's going to do something he's never done before he looks for that person that can hear what nobody else is hearing and he sees something in their spirit that nobody else knows is there and to everybody else it's crazy because it goes against the status quo it's not the same level of media that they're living in it's out on the tip of the spear but they've heard something from heaven I want to tell some of you tonight here you have heard from heaven you are not crazy you have not lost your mind it doesn't matter what anybody else says when you hear the voice of God in a prayer closet somewhere you've got to trust what you heard from the Lord So we have this story, and nobody, nobody, Noah's life is not valuable really seemingly to anybody but God until the clouds open up and the fountains of the deep begin to break up and the flood is coming and people are screaming, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And somebody goes, wait a minute, there's a boat somewhere. Where did the boat go? I don't know what's happened, but by that time, the waters had already come up and carried the boat away from where they were. They were in close proximity to a ministry that was about to change the then-known world, but they couldn't see it. Everybody's not going to see what God is doing in these last days, but if he can find a man, a woman, a young person, a child somewhere, even if it's a seven-year-old Josiah, he is going to raise up somebody to do mighty things for his kingdom. I was on the phone with Brother Morton Buster the other day, and, and, and the reason I bring up his name is because I don't want to steal this quote. It's so powerful that came out of his mouth. He was prophesying to me on the phone, and it was just rolling out of him. And he said something about the ark and Noah. That's not where this message came from, but he said something about it, and he said, and by the way, it was a prophet that built the ark, not a professional. And he said, God is not looking for professionals in this hour. He's looking for prophets. And prophets are hid away until the time comes that he can reveal his power in the earth. My God, I feel something all over me right now. Some of you are worried that you're not as professional as somebody else, but there's a prophetic anointing on your life. I can't preach to everybody. I can't make everybody believe it. But there's somebody that's going to walk out of here that say, I've got something on me. I can't explain it. I'm not trying to be better than everybody else. I'm not trying to prove myself. But something is on me and it won't let me go. And all I know is I'm supposed to build an ark. Will somebody praise him right now. If you want to be at the center of what God is doing, you've got to get in his prophetic flow. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be critical of people, and we don't think we're better than everybody else. Everybody should be striving for the same thing. But enough of this going through the motion stuff. Enough of this calculated church. Enough of this scheduling down to the minute church. Well, you can be apostolic and be organized too. Hey, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but what just happened here in the last 20 minutes was not on the program. We didn't have a time allotted in the, in the service for that to happen, but it happened because this is God's church, not our church. This is the apostolic church. We're not trying to be Baptocostals. And... I'm sorry, enough of that. So all the way in the New Testament, Peter, Peter gives us the insight. I, oh, God, you've got to get this revelation. I know that you know this. I know that you know this. 
All you wonderful theological scholars out there should be teaching me. I know that you know this, but I want you to think about this. Something that happened thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Noah knew he was building an ark. He knew that he had to get animals in the boat. He knew that destruction was coming. But I don't think he knew that you and I were going to be preaching about him thousands of years later. Talking about that story as related to water baptism. Can I tell you that what God is calling you to do is not just for your generation, but it's going to transcend your generation and it's going to mean something even more to future generations. Because he said, For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person. Everybody say the eighth person. That's an important point there. I'm going to come back to it. He's the eighth person. That means he was the eighth generation from Noah. He was in the righteous bloodline of Christ. He was the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. His ministry brought the flood upon the ungodly. Don't relegate his ministry to just a boat. His ministry was not about the boat. His ministry was about bringing in the flood upon the ungodly. And the boat was to make sure that somebody that wanted to be saved, that was not ungodly, had a place to go. Now he goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, he said, which sometime were disobedient when, the, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing. Everybody say it was preparing. The ark was a preparing. It was preparing preparation for over 100 years. Preparation for a ministry to bring the flood upon the ungodly. Wherein few that his eight souls were saved by water. You cannot be saved without water. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism doth also now save us. Noah was preparing an ark, but God was preparing a Noah. And Noah was building a new boat, but God was building a new man for a new world. He was the eighth person. Eight is the number of new beginnings. There was a completion. There was a perfection that happened. Seven generations, God said, it's complete. Right now, we're starting over. I'm coming back. I'm giving you the same commandment that I gave to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. They came off the altar. They offered a sacrifice. It was accepted unto the Lord. Just like Abel's sacrifice was accepted and the righteous bloodline was continuing. God cares about his DNA. He is not going to deposit his DNA into just anybody. He will avoid the insincere. He will avoid the carnal. He will overlook the ungodly. He will not let people live in two worlds at the same time. I'm sorry. I'm just, oh God, I got something on me right now. He is not going to let people live a middle ground. He's called you to greatness. If you want to play around with the world and just have one foot or tiptoe in the church, you go right ahead, but it ain't going to work out. But everybody that gets all the way into the kingdom right now, God's got a Noah ministry for somebody. God's got an anointing he wants to put on your life, and he's about to bring somebody out of obscurity. And then I, then I look at Moses. I look at Moses. We're so familiar with him too. He just We talk about him all the time. I love Moses. Powerful man of God. He was a prince. He was a prince in Egypt. But he was a murderer. And so he ran from Egypt. Now just, just stay with me here for just a moment. I know you know the story, but just stay with me here for just a moment. Forty years he was a prince, but but we don't find any great dialogue in the annals of time in the scripture about his forty years of being a prince in Egypt. God never talked about how great he was there. And he was great, I guess, according to many in Egypt, because he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh was literally 
his adopted grandfather. And so, yeah, there was some notoriety in Egypt, but that was not really documented in heaven because that stuff was not on God's, God's radar. And Moses fled from there. God will use crazy circumstances. I'm not proposing you murder anybody, but he will use crazy circumstances to move you out of a place of comfort and take the proverbial silver spoon out of your mouth and he will cause people to stop bowing at your feet and standing aside when you walk into the room or pass down the streets of the city. That was, that was God using that situation to try to get him into a place of a, prepare, of a preparation. The ark was a preparing. Have I lost you yet? Moses was a preparing. Noah was a preparing. Forty years, there was a gap, it seemed like, in Moses' ministry. I'm talking about out of obscurity. There was a gap in his ministry. He was forgotten. This is 40 years, not 40 minutes or 40 weeks or 40 days or 40 months. This is 40 years. Right? And nothing. You walk away from Egypt and you got to be thinking, you got to be thinking, man, what a stupid moron I was. He, he obviously lost control of his temper. He had to have some temper problems. He had to have some anger issues, and they didn't have anger management classes back then. And so he, he kills a man. He's trying to play mediator with two Israelites. He's trying to play peacemaker, and they, he knew that his secret was known. And so he flees to Midian. And somewhere in there he finds a wife. Her name was Zipporah, and he, he builds this family. But you know there had to be thoughts going in his mind. Why, stupid, what was wrong with me? I could have been there. I could have been a mediator of Israel. I could have helped the situation. Why did I lose it? I just lost control. Somewhere along you, the way you stop uh, remembering that, and he got to a place where it just kind of settled down in his little lifestyle. That's what a lot of people do when they think ministry has passed them by. They just kind of settle down in their little lifestyle and they find them a little place of comfort and they have their little, their little place that they contribute to and, and all that kind of stuff. But this whole 40 years, God was working things out of Moses. He was preparing him for the next 40 years of his life. And I want to tell you that burning bush did not happen in Moses' life because of his 40 years in Egypt. It happened because of that gap in his life and those 40 years when nobody knew who, where he was and they, nobody had heard from him for the last 40 years I want to speak to somebody that's got a gap in their life right now I want to speak to somebody that's in this place that's, in, that's been in transition for a long time longer than you've been uh, comfortable enough to, to, to accept it amen I want to preach to somebody that feels like something has passed you by but the Lord is working on you and the Lord is preparing you because he has a purpose for you and your kingdom I, I know this is easy preaching I know, I know, this, is, I know this is just predictable preaching. I get it, but I'm preaching to somebody of the Holy Ghost right now that God is working on you in the gap of your life. That 40 years, he's about to bring somebody to a burning bush, and he's going to tell you to take off your shoes. Those shoes you've been walking in for the last 40 years, Moses, I want you to take them off because a transition is coming in your life. Something holy is about to happen. I'm about to do something in you that I couldn't do when you were in Egypt. I'm talking to somebody that's about to come out of obscurity. You think the world has forgotten you. I know this ain't for everybody, but can I preach to somebody that wants to be used in the kingdom of God and tell you that God is about to elevate you and God is going to use you in these last days. Well, clap your hands and praise him. Come on, not, not just for a second here, but give him Real praise. Come on, I want you to tell him, Lord, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Scandal. Scandal has a way of humbling you. Because when he left Egypt, he had anger issues. But when he came out of Midian... The Bible describes him as the meekest man on the earth. 
Scandal has a way of humbling you. God took him from murder to meekness. Now, for 40 years, Moses lived in humiliation. Hear me tonight. For 40 years, he lived in humiliation. But the next 40 years, he's going to live in humility. Don't mistake the two. Humiliation is not the same as humility. I'm speaking to somebody's past in this place here tonight. I'm speaking to somebody. It may be only one person in this place. And I'm telling you that God is going to bring you out from under your humiliation. And what you have has made you afraid for however long to show yourself in public or to assert yourself or insert yourself or to believe that God is going to do anything. My God, have mercy. I, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I feel something all over me. And the Lord is trying to tell somebody, I'm about to take you into a place of meekness you've never been before where you will not take the glory. You will not take the glory. You will give me all the glory. It will be my anointing that will deliver people everywhere you go. Amen. You're going to walk into communities. You're going to walk into your family reunions and say let my people go you're going to walk into the workplace and say let my people go you're going to drive up on the property you, you're going to walk up in some kind of school somewhere and say devil let my people go alcohol is not going to rule this school fornication is not going to rule my school amen drug abuse ain't going to rule my university somebody's going to walk up in some subdivision somewhere or a nation across the world you might be the first apostle to that nation but you're going to walk in and say let my people go I'm going to tell somebody the stumble is going to make you humble. The humiliation is going to bring humility to your life. Somebody's got a gap. But God's about to bring you out of the gap. Where nobody knows who you are. I got more, but just talk to him for just a minute. I got more, and I am going to preach it. Yeah. And I'm preaching tonight to somebody that feels like your heathen past has disqualified you for a holy destiny. Nobody knew Ruth's name until she left Moab. And that tells me that Moab did not disqualify her. It elevated her. Come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Ruth comes out of Moab and she enters into this covenant with her kinsman redeemer whom she didn't even know. Naomi escorted her. She made the connection to Boaz. The kingdom, the kinsman redeemer. Let me just say to somebody, I'm begging you, please. It matters who you're in covenant with. Can I just say this as kind as I know how? Please don't ever try to enter into a covenant with someone that doesn't believe what you believe. It is not headed in the same direction that you're going. How can two walk together? Except they be agreed. You're, you're going to get torn apart. You, you're going to be pulled in two worlds at the same time. It matters who you're in covenant with. And it matters where you set down your roots. Everybody say Bethlehem. That's where her kinsman redeemer was. 
because he was a type of Christ. If you want to be apostolic, you're going to have to be linked to Bethlehem. There is a mandatory connection of intimacy with your Redeemer that is required. It cannot be avoided. Now, if you want a professional ministry, you can have it. They're selling them out there and they're dirt cheap. Because the devil will give you a ticket that only costs you a dollar. But if you want to be elevated in the kingdom of God, it'll cost you everything. But you'll never give more than God does. It costing you everything doesn't mean that he's not going to replenish that a hundredfold. You just got to be You just got to be willing to willing to give up what you have right now so that God can give you what he wants you to have. I'm talking about somebody's coming out of obscurity here tonight. You've got to have a connection with him. And can I just say a couple of things about David? God knew there was a giant in David's future. Long before David knew it. David didn't know he was preparing. David just thought he was going to be a tender of the sheep for the rest of his life. He was just giving it everything he got in the field that God called him to labor in. But there was a time that God said, now you've proven yourself. It's time to come on to the battlefield. You don't know it. You think you're, God have mercy, I'm about to blow up right now. You don't know it. You think you're just running an errand. You think you're just taking some sack lunches to the soldiers out there. But I'm about to show Israel that I'm still the warrior. And I'm going to use a shepherd boy to take down a giant David. You've been a preparing. Moses, you've been a preparing. Noah, you've been a preparing. And your ministry is not about the giant. It's about the throne. But to get you to the throne, i got to take you in front of the giant. God, God knew what kind of boot camp. To put David through so he could deliver Israel when the time came. I'm telling somebody there's a giant in your future. God's preparing you to face him. Why am I going through this hell? What's taking so long? Why am I so frustrated? Why can't I get a word from the Lord? How come I can't find direction? How come I can't get there? Because God is silent during the test. He's preparing you. He's preparing you. He's teaching you to trust him. My God, have mercy. His name, his name, that giant that you're going to face may not be what you think it is. Is it bankruptcy? Could be. Is it divorce? I hope not. Is it fear? Maybe. But what if the giant's name is success? Because it has the, the ability to destroy a lot of people. There's a lot of people that can't handle success. They start drinking their own Kool-Aid. They start reading their own headlines. They, re, they start reposting their own stuff. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. You want to exalt yourself or you want God to exalt you? Because when you exalt yourself, it's idolatry. But when God exalts you, it's going to change the world. My God have mercy. What if God is preparing you? I'm not preaching pie in the sky. I'm preaching prophetic here tonight. I'm not preaching pie in the sky. I'm not preaching wealth and riches. I'm not preaching go buy a lottery ticket and your ship's going to come in and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm preaching the word of God tonight. What if God is preparing you for success on a level that could bless an entire nation? And it's going to be on your shoulders. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, Noah, if you listen to the voice of the mockers, Noah, if you if you listen to what, they, that what they're saying instead of what God said if Moses you get frustrated during the gap in your life Ruth if you decide to stay with your sister-in-law instead of go with Naomi and say I've got to go where you go and your God has got to be my God one decision can change everything and I'm telling you right now there are nations in the end time that God is going to need your ministry he's going to need an intercessor He's going to need a worship leader. He's going to need a preacher. 
if your giant's name is notoriety, can you be humble? What if your giant's name is wealth? What if it's global ministry? Or what if it's apostleship? Because nobody ever uttered Matthias's name one time. But this is the way the scripture said it. It said he was accompanied with us all the time. All the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, Matthias was there. Beginning from the baptism of John, Matthias saw Jesus baptized in the Jordan. Until the same day that it was taken up from us, Jesus, Matthias was on the Mount of Olives. He saw the sole of the feet of Jesus as he left the earth. Matthias was an eyewitness. He was there at the resurrection. Matthias was there, but we never, we never hear his name until Acts chapter 1. You never know what's going to open up in the kingdom. And you better be ready for your time and your appointment when it comes. They appointed him. Apostle to take the place of Jesus. Matthias' name means gift from God. And the Bible said the lot fell on Matthias. I want to talk to somebody that life has been so hard at times that you said, Well, I, I guess this is just my lot in life. I guess. I'm always going to be the one overlooked. I guess I'll always be the one taken for granted. I guess I'll just be the one that blends in with the crowd. I, I, guess, I guess I'm just going to be part of the mass somewhere. Not really doing anything worthy of notation. I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about being so desperate to be used of God. That this man spent three and a half years with Jesus. But he was one chair outside of the circle. In almost every meeting. But he was looking between the heads of the apostles the whole time. When Jesus healed the blind man. When he raised Lazarus. When Mary broke the alabaster box. He heard the words of Jesus. He heard every teaching. He saw him feed the 5,000. Matthias was there. But nobody would talk about him. Like he didn't exist. Are you hearing me here tonight? But he became the 12th apostle. 12, the number of government. He was going to complete the foundation upon which the church was built upon. Peter said, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Everybody say humility. humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you. Somewhere in those years between the baptism of Jesus and the upper room. He'd been tested and proven. So here's the question I have for somebody in this building tonight. Can you be trusted to be exalted? God's got to squeeze everything out. He's got to get rid of Your ministry is not destined. It's not the will of God that it become a flash in the pan. We're still talking about Noah for a reason. We're still talking about Moses for a reason. We're still talking about David and Ruth for a reason. And Can I just close with Joseph? Can you survive the pit? 
Can you survive the mocking? Can you survive the prison house? Can you survive being forgotten in a dungeon? You're down there prophesying and seeing dreams and visions in the, in the dungeon, interpreting people's dreams. And people can't even tell Pharaoh that you have a prophetic anointing on your life. There was coming a time when a famine was going to hit the land. I'm not going to bore you with the story. I'm not going to bore you with the details. But can I just say to somebody in here tonight, there's a Joseph hiding in this place here tonight. There's a Joseph somewhere, and your due season is coming. The attacks that you've been under, God's using them. He's using them to get the, the silver spoon out of your mouth. He's trying to get you to a place where you're, you're not going to take it for granted. Are you still here? You say, well, I'm, I'm too old for that. It's a lie straight from hell. Moses didn't start his ministry until he was 80 years old. 80. Say, so, well, he lived for 120. Well, why can't you? Well, that was a different era. Stop talking like that. <laughs> Give the Lord a reason to let you live for 120 and be a burden to everybody. Moses just won't quit teaching the law. He won't quit holding us accountable. He won't quit tearing down our idols. He, he won't quit rebuking us. He won't quit bringing the judgments of God, opening up the earth, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you, we need elders like we've never needed them before. We need people that have been tried in the fire like we have never needed them before. We need people that will say, hey, hey, I know you're going through hell. But it's going to be all right because I'm a testament. I've been through what you've been through. I've walked through the valley that you've walked through. I, I have felt exact. But I'm telling you, I, I'm still here. I'm 60 years old. I'm 70 years old. I'm 82 years old. And I can, I'm telling you right now that it still works, that God's still on the throne. I'm telling somebody here tonight as you stand that God's about to bring somebody out of obscurity. Now, here, here's, what I want this, here's what I want this to be. This is what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. There's a reason why I didn't let you shout this down. Because this has to be, this has to be a moment with, how many of you feel like the Holy Ghost is talking like directly to you tonight? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Don't raise your hand if he's not. Raise your hand if you feel like the Holy, I mean the Holy Ghost is just bam right there on you. Then you ought to take it personal. And you ought to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You say, I'm, I'm humble. Do it again. God, I don't mind, I don't mind if you squeeze every drop of arrogance out of me. I don't mind if you squeeze every ounce of negativity out of me. Somebody ought to pray it. I don't mind if you squeeze every bit of carnality out of me. I don't mind, Lord God, if you if you have to put me on my knees, God, because I can't bend them myself. I don't mind, God, because number one, I'm not going to be lost. And number two, I'm not going to just blend in when I'm needed so much. There's people in this place that are valuable. If I could somehow get this across to you, if I could somehow get this in your spirit tonight. Oh, God. Is there somebody that just wants to tell him? If I could get you to catch a glimpse of you preaching in front of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. If I could get, to, get you to see yourself walking on the fields of spiritual battle in nations that, that will not receive the gospel. If I could get you to see yourself leading people into dimensions of praise and worship that they've never been led into before. If I could get you to see it but some of you are in a gap in your life because God is preparing you for a burning bush experience. He's preparing you to walk into somewhere and say, let my people go. He's preparing you to break the chains of people's lives on communities and cities and nations and to have dominion and to have authority. I'm just, I'm just pleading with somebody to get out of your seat here tonight and come up here with your hands lifted and your heart open and your mind open and your, your voice lifted to him and say, God, right here, I'm your Noah. I'm your Moses. I'm not going to let you down, Jesus.
That's it. Come on. Ah, I want somebody. Oh, God, have mercy. That's it. Does somebody feel like weeping? Does somebody feel like being broken before him? Jesus, God has had you in obscurity for a reason, but there's coming a point you're coming out of it. I'm pleading with somebody to hear the voice of God here tonight. There's a prophetic word that God is about to speak into your ears. I want the children, I want the children to be seated. If the children are not praying, I want them to be seated. I'm asking you very kindly to please be seated. Church is not over. This is where God's trying to bring us to right here. I want somebody to cry out to him. Somebody to tell him, Lord Jesus, I'll build an ark. I'll confront Pharaoh. I'll make my homestead in Bethlehem. I'll be the Joseph in a prison cell. Whatever you need me to be so that I'm prepared for my appointment, so that I'm ready when God gets ready to pour his prophetic power upon my life. Come on. I, 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 I know to some this is going to be just another Sunday night service, but I really do feel that there's an impartation about to happen in this room. I really do feel in just a few moments I'm going to pray a prayer as you open your spirit and God is going to begin to impart things into your spirit that are going to be prophetic. He's going to tell you to take your shoes off. Stop going with the crowd. Stop waiting on people's approval. Stop waiting on somebody else to give you the green light. Quit waiting on somebody else to set the pace. I'm talking to you, Noah. I'm calling you, Ruth. Oh, I feel a visitation of God here right now. Some of you are going to miss it. Some of you are going to miss it, but some of you are going to receive something for the Lord that's going to transform everything about you. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. There's an apostleship waiting on somebody in this room. There's a covenant appointment with a kinsman redeemer that's waiting on somebody in this room. Come on, Esther. Who knows but which you may be called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let God set you apart. Let him pull you out of the crowd. Let him take you to Midian if he, if he has to. The fact that you were a citizen of Moab is not disqualifying you. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, I want you to open your spirit. I want you to open your spirit. The Lord is about to pour something on the thirsty here right now. It's going to go in your spirit. It's going to go in your spirit. Father, in this building tonight, only you know the hearts of men. I don't know them. Only you understand who you have brought into this building tonight to receive this anointing. But right now, I release a prophetic anointing in this place. I release it upon the men. I release it upon the women. I release it upon every age demographic, every culture. I release it right now. That's it. My God, have mercy. I feel it. 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 I feel a release in the spirit right now. I release that prophetic anointing, God. Let somebody begin to preach like they've never preached before. Let somebody begin to sing with an anointing that they've never sung with before. Oh, I feel it right now. Let somebody begin to intercede with an anointing that 
that binds the princes of nations. Let somebody walk in the Holy Ghost God as a prophet of God, as an apostle to the kingdom. In the name of Jesus God, I release a prophetic anointing to fall upon some future evangelist in this place, some future pastor in this place, some future teacher. Yeah, I feel it. 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 Yeah, come on. You're like Saul coming into the company of prophets right now. You're like Saul coming in the company of prophets right now. You're going to begin to prophesy. It's going to come out of your daily conversation. It's going to come out of your mouth when you're teaching a Bible study. It's going to come out of your mouth in prayer. It's going to come out of your mouth when you sing. My God, be prophetic. Come on, Matthias. We know that you've been there. We know you were at the Jordan when Jesus was immersed in water. We know you were there when he came out of the wilderness. We know you were there at the feeding of the 5,000. We know you were there when he was resurrected. We know that you're there in the upper room right now. Matthias, we know you're there. And God is getting ready. That's it, that's it, that's it. I can't tell you what to do with it. I can't tell you what to do with it. But you need to exercise it right now. You need to begin to speak into your future. I dare you to prophesy right now into your future. Oh, I don't care who's mocking my art building. I don't care who still thinks about me as a murderer. Yeah, all over the building, right where you are. Somebody ought to pray in a new tongue. You ought to let a, let a new language come out of you. Let a new dialect come out of you. That's a new anointing. Oh, greater faith, I got to tell you, don't you discount this moment. Something's happening right now. There's a transformation happening in people's spirits now. I want to speak to the entrepreneurs. I'm going to speak to you that have a kingly anointing on you to be financiers for the kingdom. I want to tell you, there may have seemed like a, there's been a gap in your life. But there will come a time. Karamasata. Karamasata. Yotoromosia. Jesus name. 
Carando la bocea. Carando la bocea. In the name of Jesus. I'm speaking to every preacher in this house. You're mighty men of God and you're mightily anointed of God, but I'm challenging you to go to the next level. I'm challenging you to preach with a power and authority and a boldness that you've never preached with before in your life. I, I'm commanding you to do it in the name of Jesus. I'm commissioning you to preach with a prophetic anointing of God. I'm preaching to worship leaders and musicians and singers in this house. I'm challenging you to go to the next level. I'm challenging you to sing under an anointing that you've never sung under before. Yeah. Come on, children's leader. Come on, youth leader. Come on, hyphen leader. Come on, campus ministry. Come on, media team. He said, what can I do? i tell you what you're doing. You're taking the gospel to the four corners of the world. You ought to be anointed behind that camera. It's not just professionalism. It's prophetic. People around the world are watching what's going through your camera. Come on, worship team. It's going to be a night. It's probably going to be sooner than we think when the Holy Ghost is going to hit this worship team and level the platform. And when he does, something is going to break in this church that's never broken before. Ah, I'm telling you, we're not on the heels of revival. We're in revival. We're not waiting on revival. We're in revival. Somebody can get the Holy Ghost right now.